Hey guys, thanks for checking out our podcast. We hope this week's message inspires you and encourages you. Feel free to check out our website for more information. Here's today's message. Hi. Hey, um, friends, I've, I've shared with you, I've, I've um, certainly said a bit publicly, and, and if anyone talks to me privately, I'd always say to you, you guys know, they, if, you, if you know me, these last, last 10 years especially have been a, pretty big and deep and long and at times pretty dark sort of journey for me. And, um, but I was thinking, you know, like I grew up as a fairly confident sort of guy. Uh, and, and, and I think people, people would have seen me as a pretty high achiever. I'm not trying to tell you that I was a high achiever, but I think people saw me as a fairly high achiever. And for the longest time, you know, maybe, I don't know when I sort of stopped seeing this, like I saw myself as like a valiant warrior. And whatever life was going to throw at me, I was going to handle it. Meantime too, for me, confession to, to you, forgive me if it sounds a little self absorbed, I've always wanted, desperately, fervently, always wanted to know that my life was going to count um, and that I would make a difference. Now, now sometimes what that's done is, I mean, because that, that in itself isn't so, so vain, but sometimes what that's meant is that I've wanted, I've wanted fame, you know, notoriety and success. But, but at its core, even if you strip it back, I really, really wanted to make a difference. And along the way, that's messed with me a bit. You know, that unbridled ambition and confidence and passion, and I told you a bit about that last week. Put that together then with my really hard work and, and subsequent achievements. It got me into some spaces, like, like say, like uh, finding my way to a scholarship and I went to the University of Southern California and studied at the Delinquency Control Institute there. And then I come back home afterwards and now, as a recipient of the scholarship, I need to go to the Raheen Mansion in Kew. If we can have a photo of that up there, please. The Raheen Mansion in Kew, which is a, someone's private house, and it's actually Jeannie Pratt. The Pratt family lives there. And Jeannie Pratt was the patron of the foundation which awarded me my scholarship. So I have to go there for lunch with a small group of people. I sit for the lunch. We're in the, the dining room there at, the, at their house. And, I, you know, um, after Jeannie welcomes me, <laughs> I'm just a young guy. And I sit there beside this guy who introduces himself to me as, here he is, Ian Meldrum. And I'm sitting beside him there at the lunch. And then I have to get up and and speak and tell them all about my study tour. And I, like, I, like now, like I can't even remember who else, who, you know, what other bigwigs were there. Um, but every time I'd get into a situation like that, and I found myself in a fair few of them when I was young, like I, I'd get so churned up inside because I was desperate and I was desperate like, I didn't necessarily want to be Molly Meldrum, 
but I, I wanted to be one of the world's contributors. You know, I wanted to think that I mattered. And I wanted people to think that I mattered. The night I, I was taken, like, and I was personally taken into the, into the LA Lakers dressing rooms, the forum in Los Angeles. And I sat and talked with AC Green and then, and then later with, with James Worthy. It's AC Green, James Worthy. Like I sat, I probably had 10, 15 minutes with each of them. And, um, and, and like I know that not everyone's, Steve Coffey's gonna know, aren't you Steve? Like not everyone else is gonna know, but like we're talking, these guys aren't just, bar- like both of those are starting, f- well, well they were back then, we're talking starting five players of the all-stars of the, of, of the Western Conference. Like we're talking some of the very best players in the NBA at the time. And, I, like, and that night I get home to the place where I was staying in Pasadena in California and I, I could not go to sleep. Wired, captivated, always was. Not, not, just, not just by fame and notoriety, but, but also by high achievers. Like here's one, I could, I, could, I could reel off a big long list. Here's one that really, who I admire, General Peter, General Sir Peter Cosgrove. And especially reading his, his biography and, and especially when someone describes him, have you heard of this word as indefatigable? Heard that word before? In other words, you, in other words he, he's, you, you cannot tire him out. He just, he just never, like, he's just got endless energy to keep on working. But then what happened for me, as life moved on, it dawned on me, and that was really gradual, and some might say that perhaps I was just slow, not was slow to catch on, that I am slow to catch on, but I realised that I categorically did not have what it took to be a big shot. It was never going to happen. In fact, for me, these last 10 years, like it's felt the opposite. And a lot of the time in that, my energy has been, and I'm just being heart level honest with you, a lot of the time my energy has been just trying to keep my nose above the water. trying to learn and grow so I could be stable and, and, and desperately wanting and seeking to be the husband and the dad and the pastor that I long to be. You see, for me, making a difference, let alone living anything like, you know, we've been talking about John the Baptist these last few weeks. It's just like, it's, it's almost like as every year's gone by, it's, you know, humanly speaking, it seems less and less and less achievable. I mean, I, we all want to count somehow, don't we? Do you? Now, maybe, maybe you're not as vain as I've been. <laughs> you're sitting there thinking, my goodness, Jeff, I, like I knew you were a little bit vain. I didn't know you were as vain as you've just told us now. 
Maybe you don't yearn for, you know, for fame or notoriety, but yeah, you, you get down inside and, and, and you want to feel like you're being and have been and you will be. You want to be a really good husband. You want to be a really good wife. You'd love to get a, a grasp of God even and make sense of God in your life. And you'd love to make a difference for God. Um, you would pay money. You'd pay any money to feel like your prayers worked. Hey, like I can pray and it happens. If your friend was in a, a painful life experience, you would treasure being the sort of person who could speak the right words of help and hope and healing for him or her. Imagine, imagine if you, like, you could have wisdom and knowledge and insight. See, I want my life to count. I do, but I think we all do. And if you remember those words we talked about a few weeks ago, Jesus himself said this, and he was talking about John the Baptist when he said it. He said, I tell you, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John. Is Jesus speaking then, of all who have ever lived until now, none is greater than John. Yet, and then he says, even the most insignificant person in the kingdom of God is greater than him. My friend, I wanted to ask you this morning what you think. Here it is. Can we all, can we all, I mean, look around, there's, there's 95 of us in the building. Can we all make a difference in this world? Or is it only a few? Like, say, John the Baptist. Can all 95 of us make a difference? Can, can, can all the people who are watching us online, can, like, can we all make a difference or is it just a few? See, great people, they're God's greatest gifts to the human race, aren't they? Like throughout history, it's only been by the interposition of great people that humankind, we've been able to step up to higher and better levels of life. You think of people in our, in our race, like the Winston Churchills, the Mother Teresas, the Nelson Mandelas, ancient figures like Socrates, Augustine. There's no doubt whatsoever though, like, for me, when I look at it, that God himself has stepped into history and often he's used those big names. He's used those world changers. But they're just the ones that we know about. They're, they're, they're the big names. They're the ones we know about. But, but there's two others who he has used and they're in our Bibles. And you go right back to before John the Baptist was born. Remember when the angel was telling his dad, who was elderly, who hadn't been able to have children with his wife. Hey, now you're going to go home from the temple here and your wife's going to be pregnant. You're going to have a baby. His name's going to be John. And you know what the angel said to him? Look at this. We, we, we saw this in Luke chapter 1, verse 17. He will be, so he's talking about the baby that, that Zechariah's wife is going to have. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah, the prophet of old goes on and says what he's going to do. So Elijah, he's talking about going to have the spirit and power of Elijah. He's the prophet, ninth century BC. 
key figure in salvation history, just in history generally. And John the Baptist, ahead of his time, his dad is being told that when he's born and when he grows, he's going to have the spirit and power of Elijah. And later then, this guy with the spirit and power of Elijah, Jesus then says, you see those two verses we've just put together, Jesus then says, hey, there's no one who's ever lived until now who's greater than him. So clearly, you put those together from the Bible, here are two men, both of them, they're chosen by God, they're anointed by God, they're appointed by God, they're commissioned by God, they're used by God. Awesome. Elijah, John the Baptist, awesome, that's really good. But what about for the me's who want my life to count? Remember this song? What about me? Isn't fair. I've had enough now, I want my share. Remember that song? You see, it's like, well, John the Baptist and Elijah. Well, let's take a look at them, guys, because there's, there's good in this. There's really good. Come take a look at me. Elijah and if you, that little CF, that means compare with, right? We're going to compare Elijah with John the Baptist, these two figures from the Bible. Look at them. They resembled each other. Elijah, we're actually told that he was a hairy man. Do you know any hairy men? He was a hairy man, and that likely refers to his rough garb and his unshorn locks. Um, John the Baptist, he, he wore, like we, we know this, like his clothes, he wore a camel skin. I think it was probably a camel skin onesie, right? And they both sojourned in Gilead, as it was called in Old Testament times, and you can see it there in the red on the map, to the east of the Jordan River. Thinly populated, largely given over to shepherds and their flocks. And they both learned these guys to make the body subservient to the spirit. Elijah lived for a time on food. God sent him food for a while by ravens, birds. Birds brought in food every day and then after that by God's instruction he went to a place called Zarephath and he stayed with a widow and when he got there she was just about to make a last meal for her and her son then they were going to die because they had no food left in the house um, he ran like the wind as well like there was a, a story where he beats King Ahab's horses and chariots in a foot race across the Jezreel Valley there was a time when he walked for 40 days and 40 nights to, to Horeb, the Mount of God. You see, for Elijah, his body was a weapon to be wielded by his soul. John, meantime, we heard about him. He lived in the desert, but he ate locusts and wild honey. And both these heroic spirits, they were confronted by a hostile court, King Ahab and Queen Jezebel for Elijah. At every turn they oppose him. Um, King Herod and his wife Herodias hunted John down. And both of them too lived in, they were conscious of, they were moved by, they were led by the presence of God. And both of them too, not overly phased actually probably not at all phased by the fear of people living for 
an audience of one. Just please my audience of one. Um, they both got depressed too. Elijah was suicidal. He was begging God to take his life. And John, we saw him disillusioned, dejected, disorientated, lost and stuck in prison. You know what? If you track through history, my friend, you see that God repeats himself, but it's not just through the famed and celebrated. The world didn't know much about Pastor Ramil. Our friend in the abject poverty of Smoky Mountain in Manila in the Philippines. Um, born and raised he was in abject poverty, that man. Forced into child prostitution at a, at a tender age. And then he meets Jesus. And that was a post, Jake, my son, put that up back at the time when Pastor Emil passed away from, from bowel cancer. And Jake said, I've never known a guy quite like this, a servant like no other, a friend to everyone and a voice and hope for thousands who had none. He touched the life of every single person he ever met and just a few minutes with him had you inspired and ready to change the world. For the least of these, rest in peace. Pastor Emil, see, the world didn't know about Pastor Emil. And I've got a friend, we're going to call him Russell this morning in a country that we, we can't name um, for his sake. And here he is. He's, um, on his computer there is, is the Jesus movie. And uh, there he is explaining the good news of Jesus to a group of Muslim women and there's one gentleman there and this guy uh, I met him a few years back and, and he texted me here's a, here's a text that he sent me just this week um, put, look at that um, they're all college students and new believers once a week we have discipleship program with them we study discovery bible praying for each other we have new church for them. We're teaching them about the Bible, preaching gospel, evangelical working, spiritual journal, etc. Please pray for them. The world doesn't know about Russell, do they? Probably never will. And keep looking, my friend, you know, because that's, we talked about John the Baptist and Elijah, and we're talking about you too and me. There's a common denominator. You worked it out, yeah? Um, let's have a look at John the Baptist and Elijah and we'll compare them with, with Jesus, hey? Because John and Elijah, we just saw that they're similar. But neither of them got to say that he was the son of God. Um, they didn't conceive of themselves as sitting at the right hand of God. Um, not Elijah, not John offered himself as the saviour of people. Um, and nor could either of them say that he came to give his life as a ransom for many. They both, like they called out sin and they named sin, but they couldn't forgive sin like Jesus could. And Jesus introduced a new way of living, like the law which had dominated religion for centuries since the time of Moses. 
was now not, not abolished or disregarded, but fulfilled in Jesus and made great in grace and the forgiveness of sins and of sin through the death of Jesus. So Elijah and John, both as great as they were, they couldn't do that. So when that angel spoke in the earliest days of, or earliest known days of Elizabeth's pregnancy, and he said of John, he said, he will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. Yes, he would be. And when John the Baptist came, scholars would call him even the second Elijah. People would even confuse him with Elijah. Some people thought he was Elijah. But neither John the Baptist or Elijah would be Jesus, the Son of God. So come back to it, my friend. Because you're sitting here this morning, and, and like you're not Mother Teresa, and you're not Pastor Emil, you're not even my friend Russell, and you're not Aileen, who's whose photo I can't show you, Aileen, who I met, who's been a nurse in Jordan at the Mafrak Sanitarium Hospital for over 50 years now. Um, she's now, she might be 91, she, she's had her 90th birthday. Um, the day I met her in her mid-80s, she actually came out from a clinic in the hospital in her scrubs and hosted myself and three or four other pastors who were there. She hosted us for lunch. <laughs> um, you're not Brett, my friend Brett. Just, just a really, really ordinary American guy. But several years ago, he moved to Jordan. He's not married. Um, he moved to Jordan. He immersed himself in Jordanian culture. And, and like he's as, close to, he's as close to a true Arabic man as an American could be. <laughs> but you picked up what Jesus said. So you're not, you're not these people, are you? And you're sitting there and, it's, and you're feeling really sure of that today. But you picked up what Jesus said. I tell you, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John, yet even the most insignificant person in the kingdom of God is greater than he is. And you're like me, you're thinking, well, that's the, the most insignificant person in the kingdom of God. Well, that's me. I'm insignificant. Um, I'm just, you're sitting there, I'm just trying to trust God and hang on to him so I can understand the path through the labyrinth before me. That's what I feel like I'm doing. Like, you know, and like where I'm at, like, you know, and what I've been through these last few years, like, it's made it pretty well impossible. Like, I'd be a pretty deluded guy if I walked around with my, with my head held high, proud and proud and thinking I'm real cool now. I can't do that. Well, let me walk around thinking I'm a gift to God or to you or to our church or to my family. Like, like and I, you know, like we do, don't we? Like, we, we? like I'm putting my hand up and saying, like, I feel like I'm an insignificant person in the kingdom of God. Do you? Because there's nothing humanly special about you. 
Yeah, Jeff, yeah, yeah, I am, yeah, yeah, yes, I am. Well, Jesus says, friends, look at this this morning. Jesus says that even the most insignificant person in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist, who at that time is the, no one greater has ever lived than him. Oh, Jesus said it. How am I ever going to be greater than John the Baptist? I want to know. <laughs> How? Well, John the Baptist came in the spirit and power of Elijah. We know that. And that spirit and power, friends, listen in, that spirit and power, they're for me too and they're for you. Same spirit, very same spirit, waiting to descend upon and empower you. See, the Holy Spirit, who we're talking about now, came after John the Baptist, after Jesus. It was about seven weeks after Jesus had risen from the dead, and then after he'd gone back to heaven, that's when the Holy Spirit came to earth. Now, the presence of God is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. It's the presence of God until this time, right through our Old Testament history. The presence of God is seen to reside in, not just in the temple or in the tabernacle, but inside the tabernacle there's the holy place and then there's the holy of holies. That's where the Spirit of God resides. And we have a whole priestly tribe from the nation of Israel, one of the 12 tribes, the tribe of Levi. It's the priestly tribe. The priests are the ones who, who mediate between God and people. The priests offer sacrifices on behalf of the people to atone for their sins. So the presence of God is in a place and it's mediated by, by priests. Jesus comes, he, he dies on the cross. He promises, we're going to see that in just a moment, he promises his spirit. He then goes back to heaven, says he'll be back one day. But after he goes back to heaven, the Holy Spirit's coming to help. There's the Holy Spirit. See, that's the presence of God. So look at this. Acts chapter 1. This is Jesus speaking just before he goes back to, to heaven. He, he says to his followers, the disciples, do not leave Jerusalem. Don't leave Jerusalem. So they're in Jerusalem now. He's about to go. He says, okay, guys, when I go, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you what he has promised. Remember, I told you about this before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then he said, but when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power. And you'll tell people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Friends, the Holy Spirit will give me all the power I need if I let him. How am I going to be greater than John the Baptist? 
Holy Spirit. Um, it's not something that just happens for some. You know, we asked that question a little while ago. They say, so, you know, can we all do great things? Can we all make a difference or is it just some of us? And, and I know, like I know for sure that there will be people who are sitting here this morning and people who are listening and watching us and, and internally you're actually thinking, and you're not trying to be down on yourself and you're not trying to be bad and you're not trying to be dishonest, but you're saying, no, I'm not going to make a difference because I'm not capable of that. I'm just me. Well, that's not the way that Jesus spoke about the Spirit. And it's not the way that the Bible speaks about the Spirit of God. It's for every single believer. Look at this. Says Paul, Apostle Paul says, Ephesians chapter 1, and now you also have heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. Good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us everything he's promised and he has purchased us to be his own people and there's just one more reason for us to praise our glorious God. Okay? So how will my life count? How will my life be greater than John the Baptist? How will God use me? The, the question I'm not asking, it's not like when I was younger, you know, and, and even now, like that'll come back and grab me anytime that it, that it can. It's not saying, how will God make me famous? It's not saying, how will God make me like my friend Aileen, the 90-year-old nurse, or Brett, who's immersed himself in Jordanian culture? No, 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 no that, that's, that's not even the question. The question is, how will God do what he wants to do in me and through me and for me? Because I tell you what, when he does that, Jeff Shepard will make a difference. How will he do that? the Spirit of God. Look at this, my friend. We are God's masterpiece. Different words that the Bible uses for this. We're God's workmanship. We're God's handiwork. All right? We're God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You're getting the picture, aren't you? How does this happen by the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit will give me all the power I need if I let him. So if I let him in, you're thinking, what's the, what's the deal? If I let him, is this up to me? Well, you know what? It is up to you. Um, if you know Jesus, he just promised you, we just read, you know, like he's already identified you as, as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit. Um, but as to whether he fills you and whether he gives you his power, that's something that's up to you. You know what? It says it in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. It says, don't be drunk with wine because that'll ruin your life. Instead, let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. Let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. The word fills may be a bit misleading because you're like, well, if I'm going to let the Holy Spirit fill me, that probably means that if I don't let him, he doesn't fill me. He's not in me. He's not there. 
that's where the word's a bit problematic. Because the word is more talking about how much that Holy Spirit, we, we could also use the word, let the Holy Spirit penetrate you, let the Holy Spirit permeate you. And the picture, you, you think of the picture like of the wind filling the sail of a sailing boat. See, the wind's there all along. But if the wind is actually blowing into the sail and filling it out, that's when it takes effect. So you get the choice. Whether you're going to let the Holy Spirit control you. You have the Holy Spirit if you know Jesus. Guaranteed. But whether you will let the Holy Spirit control you and fill you, that's up to you. And I was thinking, Dean, this Friday, Gold Coast. Um, I didn't ask you yet, Dean, like when you'll physically start flying again out of Coolangatta Airport. Let the Holy Spirit fill you. So, Dean Cathy. Our friend on the flight deck, welcoming the passengers. Afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Dean Cathy, your captain speaking. <laughs> Got good weather ahead. Dean, Dean flew, uh, Deb and I were going to Ayers Rock to Uluru for our 25th wedding anniversary, I think it was. And so, Dean knew we were going and he said, hey, listen, give me the date. And, and so he, he arranged and he, he put himself, got himself on the roster and he flew us up there that day on the plane. We got a special welcome. I'd like to welcome Mr. and Mrs. Shepherd, who are studying, oh, not studying, what's the word? Um, celebrating their 25th wedding anniversary. And, um, and that's, I, seriously, I reckon that's the smoothest landing I've ever had on a big plane. He's a good pilot, this boy. But you see what I mean? Like, um, let the Holy Spirit fill you. So there's a difference between a spirit-filled pilot and a spirit-unfilled pilot. Because a spirit-filled pilot's got the spirit and power of Elijah, John the Baptist. And then, and I was thinking too, you know, like, because if, if you know the family here, um, you know, like, um, and Esther, don't panic when I talk about this because I'm going to qualify it, but like m most people see Esther as like a, like superhuman, don't they? Yeah? Who sees Esther as superhuman? Yeah, there you go. So that's where, that's where, don't be uncomfortable, Esther. And that's, um, and you, you know why we see Esther as superhuman? Because, because she's a person, you know, when we talk to you, like, like, I've, I've had people say to me, oh, if Esther tells me they're going to pray for she's going to pray for me, then it's, oh, it's going to work, <laughs> you know? Like, Esther's prayers work, you know? I'll tell you what, and I love you, Esther, and I respect you highly, but the reason that that happens with Esther is because Esther's filled with the Spirit of God. Take the Spirit of God out, and it doesn't happen. You see, so Esther, when Esther moves with um, Will and Nicola in a month's time, wherever it is, uh, 
spirit-filled Esther. So you guys, um, we will miss you, but when the spirit fills you, lives get changed. So, friends, this is pretty simple. How would you walk out of here today? Um, you know, regardless of whether you're like me or not, you know, where I've said to you, like the, the natural fleshly Jeff Shepherd, desperate to make his life count. Well, if we can sort of step back a bit from that and say, well, let's not so much seek the, you know, the fame and notoriety and the success and everything else. And, but if we can translate that, and, and we'll need God's help to do it, but if we can translate that to, yeah, but like what I'd like to do is I'd like to have my life do what God made it to do. Because I'm God's workmanship. I'm God's masterpiece. I'm His handiwork. And I'm created in Christ Jesus to do the good works that God prepared long, long, long ago for me to do. And the good works that God prepared long ago for me to do, you can't do. And the good works that God prepared for you to do long ago, I can't do. So if I'm going to have my life count by doing that, how's it going to be? Friends, the Holy Spirit will give me all the power that I need if I let Him. I want Him to. And if you're talking big things and good things and how God's going to move, just remember, friends, and, and, you know, pray with me as we as we read these words, just remember, glory be to God by His mighty power at work within us. And remember, that's the Holy Spirit, right? It's the Holy Spirit by His mighty power at work within us. He is able to accomplish infinitely more than we could ever dare to ask or hope. Do you get the extreme language? It's not just, well, he can, he can do more than you think, you know. No, no. Will you imagine all you could ever even dare to think or hope or imagine? Okay, so, so that's big. And then put on top of that, that God can do infinitely more than that. And that's the God, that's the Holy Spirit who will give you all the power that you need if you let Him. So let's pray together um, because as we, as we do that, I don't know about you, but also when I'm honest with you, um, it feels infinitely hard for me to just suddenly believe, not just to say, but if my brain's limbic system is going to agree with this because it feels it, actually say, yeah, you know what? God can accomplish infinitely more than Jeff Shepherd could ever dare to ask or hope in me and through me. Like, honestly, like that's very, very hard for me to believe, okay? So here's the thing, as we pray together now and as we finish, friends, we need to help each other do this. Like, I actually, I actually need you helping me to feel that, and you need me helping you to feel it as well, to actually feel that it's true. 
Because if you just intellectually believe that it's true and just say it and repeat it and, and, and rant it off, you know, as if that's, that's not gonna do a whole lot for you. You have to actually believe it's true. And you can't just flick a switch and believe it. We need help. We need to help each other, cheer each other on. So let's do that together now for a moment, hey? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, um, now I just wanna pray and commit to you uh, everything that comes out of what we've talked about now. And, and I know, like, you're very, very good at this. You're very good at this, Lord. And, and so now, Holy Spirit, we just, we, we turn it over to you. You know every single person who's sitting here in the auditorium and who's listening now, and you know exactly what it is that, that, that needs to happen in that person's life. And there's a whole range of them. So rather than me trying to prescribe that or strategize it or instruct it, I just want to turn it over to you now. Trust you, Spirit of the living God. Would you fall afresh on each one of us now. And in the, in the name and through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ now, my prayer is for every person who's here. Who wants their life to be what you want it to be, which means it will make a difference. that now in this time, you will interact with them, Holy Spirit, so that they know deep to the core of their being that that is exactly what you will do, that the Holy Spirit will give them all the power that they need, as long as they let you. 